I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Ecology Academy podcast. Now, this episode is about navigating change. So what do we mean by this? Well, there's been a lot going on recently. I mean, we you can't help but uh, notice there's been lots of changes to and improvements to guidelines, you know, bat survey guidelines, there's the bat mitigation guidelines. And of course, it is February 2024. Let's not also forget the biodiversity net gain becoming mandatory in England and the sort of how we go about navigating this within both our set for ourselves if we work for a company how we how our company adapts to this and how what how they adapt to these changes and how our whole industry adapts to the the changes too and of course the natural environment how does this stand to benefit from these recent changes so this episode is going to be a little bit strange one it's just me today and we're going to be looking at understanding these changes from an ecological point of view from ourselves as ecological consultants environmental managers how we you know how we cope with this change what we should be looking at to do in terms of you know helping ourselves to manage this change we're going to look at the mindset for managing that change we're also going to look at some practical strategies for adapting to change too as well as of course looking at some resources for ourselves as ecologists so let's start with understanding these changes now as i say we can't help but notice there's been a, a lot of changes in the past six to twelve months you know, we've been gearing up for biodiversity net gain becoming mandatory in England for what seems like almost an eternity. You know, gone through those changes. There is a lot of information out there, some brilliant guidance being put together and workshops being for free that have been put together by various bodies. And obviously, obviously, you know, the people behind that, experts in their field providing that guidance. So, you know, biodiversity net gain is pretty well covered we know what's you know we we know it's going to be arriving very shortly as as we as we record this it's uh, just before i think we've got about five days before we actually go out to um for five to seven days before we actually becomes mandatory but before that we've had the bat survey guidelines coming out um you know just the end of 2023 bat mitigation guidelines going out and it can get overwhelming in terms of the amount of information we need to absorb and what do we do with this information? How is it going to relate to what we do as ecologists out in the field? How we write our reports and ultimately to the advice and information we give to our clients, managing their expectations, delivering upon those results, and clearly how that will also benefit our natural environments. So we need to ensure that we may be able to relearning some techniques as well as learning new skills that are coming along with new technology being implemented in part of some of our survey efforts, AI, automation coming in and, you know, being 
used extensively across our industry, as well as how do we advise our clients and what it means for them in terms of their outcomes. But also, you know, it's, there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some additional responsibilities that we may need to undertake, additional reporting and so forth. And so that's going to be mean that probably we're going to manage the expectations in terms of time and money as well so it's it's all these knock-on effects we're gonna have to consider how do we inform get the best out of them um, i say this change and making sure that um, it's implemented correctly so that's what we're going to focus upon today and i think the first part of it is okay is about okay ourselves let's focus on how we deal with how, how we deal with this and uh, i think mindset is going to be crucial for this now, for those of you who've listened to this podcast a few times, which I hope you have, and please, if it's your first time, you're very much welcome. And please, what I will say is, right at the very start uh, over here, is to enable this to get better, this podcast to get better, improve it, we get more people involved, please do subscribe. It's amazing how many people just don't subscribe to this podcast. And you know that's the one thing I can ask for you to do as a favour for me to just to go and subscribe to this this podcast itself. It really does help improve our uh, you know understanding of numbers and so forth. But anyway, that's an aside. So let's look talk about the mindset and say as say if you listen to the podcast before, we talked about mindset in in a previous episodes. So this concept about mindset and particularly a growth mindset that was popularised by uh, the psychologist Carol Dweck. And it suggested that our abilities and intelligence can be developed over time compared to what's known as a fixed mindset, which is, you know, things happen for a reason. There's no point, you know, worrying about it because we cannot change anything. We just go on with the status quo. And, uh, you know, that leads to issues related to the way we deal with not only problems arising within our own lives and challenges but also you know our expectations and outcomes of life too so we're going to approach this we should be approaching this with what's known as an open or growth mindset and for us as ecologists this means viewing new guidelines and regulations not as obstacles but as opportunities to grow our expertise and enhance our impacts on our conservation efforts and restoring that biodiversity loss which i'm quite extremely passionate about so it's embracing a growth mindset. It encourages us to ask questions, seek out those learning opportunities and remain adaptable in the face of change because change is inevitable. We're always going to be experiencing some sort of change, whether it be change on a daily basis, where, you know, seasonal or, you know, of course, and as these new things come in, these new guidance come in, you know, how we, uh, how we approach this, this change. Now, I think staying resilient is also another key aspect of having the right mindset. Now, changes, especially significant ones like we're experiencing, can be challenging. So there's going to be frustration, there's going to be setbacks and a learning curve. You know, we go for this learning curve, which starts off with a low amount of information and expertise and skill. And as we go along it, 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 you know, all of a sudden it becomes lighter. We go, actually, do you know what? I'm getting to understand this. And then it gets to another point, another inflection point, which goes, oh my gosh, there's so much to, to learn, so much to understand. I don't think I'll be able to do it all. And we sort of dip down again. And it's such, it's not, this curve is, you know, it, it's more like a, a roller coaster ride. You know, I think that's the way to treat it that, you know, we may be getting somewhere, then all of a sudden it changes. So, 
you know, I, I think resilience is one of those words that gets banded around. And it's it's right, you know, we need to bounce back from certain challenges. And some of us, you know, we all can do it. But it's a question of how long we stay in this. I think one of the, 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 the one of the terms was this pit of despair, which sounds really bad. You don't want to be in a pit of despair, do you? So uh, it's looking at how, you know, how do we navigate this change coming about? How do we move from a state of you know, stasis to actually action. And uh, this resilience is understanding that, you know, we can bounce back from these sort of challenges and move it forward. So it involves, yeah, a positive outlook. It's managing stress effectively and learning from each other's experiences and our own experiences. And, And just remember that every challenge is an opportunity to learn something new. Now, also, let's not forget that we don't have to go alone. There is the power of others, you know, seeking out assistance. And again, going to like core competencies, you know, it's knowing our own limitations and also knowing when to ask for advice and also accept advice when it is offered. So it's the power of our own community. And the ecological community is amazing. So anyway, you can go on to these different platforms, you know, you know social media platforms, you know, you know Facebook, LinkedIn, and, uh, you know, but there's also, you know, I say coaching, Coaching. coaching really does help. It's helped me. I know that you know, I have my own personal coaches in terms of for my life, but also for business as well. And they help me enormously run through problems because more than likely, we probably have the solution, the, the answer ourselves, but it just needs teasing out. And I'm going on. I'm going on. I am actually on a coaching course at the moment, and it's it highlights so much the power of being able. You know, someone being there just to listen to to you. I mean, and the power to just have that freedom to talk is amazing. It's it's liberating, and and so you know, I, I really do think you know the power of coaching, being being coached, is extremely important. So. Let's not just go to loan. You know, there are there are that support mechanisms there. So use the, those social media platforms. Question it, and, and you know, don't rely on it too heavily. But you know, it's there. You make your own judgments. So I say, no one navigates change in isolation, or no one should ch- navigate change in isolation. And by leaning in on our professional networks, sharing knowledge, collaborating on best practice, we can support each other through these transitions. So don't think you have to go it alone you know there's obviously if you're a freelance ecologist you know it may seem a lot harder for you but um, you know you've probably got your own networks you go out there those i say those community forums we can reach out to but you know there's always someone you can actually discuss things with you know and doesn't mean that they're right doesn't mean you're wrong you know everyone has will have a different opinion so guidelines are especially that you know it is a guidance on a particular approach you may have a different interpretation of these guidelines and how to implement them so no one really you know there's there are you know right approaches multiple approaches and there are multiple wrong approaches but doesn't mean there's just one approach to take so engaging in forums, as I said, attending workshops and participating in webinars. I mean, there's so many webinars out there, particularly for biodiversity net gain at the moment. Take advantage of those, explore them, stay curious. And, uh, you know, I think these are excellent ways to stay, stay connected and informed. And finally, touched on upon there, embracing a continuous learning sort of mindset. You know, that curiosity, and we talk about curiosity a lot on this podcast, and 
just enabling that everything is a learning opportunity. We may not know it all today, but, you know, each day or, you know, we can incrementally increase our knowledge, increase our understanding and then gain that skill over time in order to help ourselves, help our colleagues and help um, our communities and our natural environments. And as you're no doubt aware, the ecological field, it's dynamic at the moment. It really is changing. So I think we do need to stay informed about the latest research, the guidance, technologies. It's all part of our job. How to become that effective ecologist, it's understanding that change is inevitable and we are part of that journey and embracing it, you know. So we're, you know, I I I I I must admit I'm probably guilty. I do love a shiny new penny. So when something new comes along, I probably do embrace it and rush into it. And, you know, I've got to look at my own limitations, which is going too much into it and thinking, oh, this is the best thing ever without fully exploring it, questioning it, analyzing the information coming in before adapting to it or adopting those new procedures. So that's where the benefit of having a fantastic team which i do work with are here who can actually sense check things make sure there you know there is a bit of friction there friction can be good to actually pull us back a bit to say actually you know it looks like we should be going in this direction what are the implications if we do you know what are the you know what are the benefits and then what are the um the downsides of actually on implementing this this change so this might mean dedicating time each day, each week to reading, uh, listening to podcasts. Um, obviously, this one's a fantastic one. Attending training sessions. I mean, we just released, just to give an example, you know, we just released Q Field for Ecologists on our Ecology Academy platform there, which has been a great uptake on that. It's been needed, required. So this is tapping into using digital, it's digital transformation, digital transformation, adopting new technologies out in the field rather than a pen and paper, collecting the information out in the field, putting that together and then using it to then transform the, the information back into the office environment, shall we say. But there are technologies there to link those devices together. I mean, not just Q, I say, so Q field is out now, you know, to, to look at. But, you know, it's keeping up with the latest, uh, say, information, the training sessions, even role, you know, enrolling in those courses and that, develop, that delve into the specifics of new regulations and also survey techniques. So there you go. That's a little bit about mindset for the for managing the change. But of course, that's just an overview. Those are just words. You know, you've got to implement it them themselves. So let's look about the practical strategies for adapting to change. So as we mentioned before, in this dynamic field of ecology, it requires not just a positive mindset, but also actionable strategies you know if we're going to achieve something we need to do something so whether it's updating you know methods for bat surveys the way we have undertake them adapting to new mitigation guidelines understanding what works what may not work and and questioning those it's in, in a, you know in a, in a process of curiosity or implementing the biodiversity net gain assessments the different metrics there you know the the different reporting required how can we stay ahead of that curve? Well, prioritization is going to be part of that. So with the sheer volume of updates and new information available, knowing where to focus our attention is going to be crucial. So I think, we, I mean, this is just me. I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving you my insights here. But I think we need to start by identifying the changes that m- most directly impact our current 
areas of expertise. You know, the current areas we prioritize in and then really can help actually make a benefit. So if you undertake bat surveys, for instance, maybe you're going to want to start looking at the bat mitigation and bat survey guidelines, reading the guidance. I mean, it sounds really simple. The strategy is read the guidance. Okay, that's a great way to start. Next is certainly then discuss the guidance with maybe a colleague engage on social media you know in those 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 wonderful sort of rabbit holes that people go down in as well so we're you know exploring different avenues and but but be aware that there is always going to be that critic there there who may have going back to the mindset may have a little bit of a fixed mindset these are rubbish i don't see why we need to change they were perfectly good before i don't agree with this person you know it's take this this chapter i think we should have gone further you know it doesn't go far enough you know all these are you know valid arguments valid points but they will end in sort of that, that pit of despair it doesn't push you forward so I think questioning things, yes, understanding them, maybe going, actually, you know, how can we implement these changes into my own working practices? And as that's it, reading, understanding, uh, understanding, talking to people. And I think that is and, and reevaluating your position. I think those are going to be important parts of the you know, prioritization, you know. So starting with, let's say, if you're you know, into bats, you know, start with, the, you know, reading that guidance. Obviously, with biodiversity, and again, if you want to be specialised in that area, understanding the or the guidance that's coming out, the the the, the viewpoints of other stakeholders. So whether you be a landowner, a developer, the local planning authority, whether you be a broker, whether you be an ecologist, you know, what does that actually mean to, you know, how you go about communicating with these different stakeholders? Landscape architects, you know, you may not have worked with them you know, in such an intense way as you may have to on with with the biodiversity net gain implementations. So, you know, it's looking at where can we make that most impact? I say also areas to look at in terms of graining your knowledge using trusted sources such as official websites, official organizations and associations, peer-reviewed journals, for instance, gathering that accurate information and sharing it, setting up, you know, you can even set up alerts. I mean, I've done this with, you know, Google Alerts, you know, setting up alert when something changes, I get a notification of that change. Obviously, on the government websites, you can set those as well. Then LinkedIn is amazing. Do you mean if you go on LinkedIn daily, you know, you'll see all these things pop up. And, you know, I'm just talking about now, this is a little side. Obviously, Planning Policy Wales has just, edition 12, I think it is, has just come into effect. So I've got to read those guidelines, you know, that, that sorry, the planning yeah, policy there. And what does that mean to, you know, previous iterations? And do we need to change our reports and uh, advise our clients differently, so forth, on the biodiversity? Um, so it's setting up those alerts, keeping up to date with that information themselves. Also, implementing the new guidance. That's going to be part of your strategy. So how do you implement it? You've discussed it. You've talked with colleagues. You've got an approach. Okay, have we got the right resources in terms of time, capability, capacity to once you deliver these new services or changes to these these guidance for instance so you know bat survey guidance the use use of night vision aids for some instance do we have that can we get the equipment is it right equipment these are all decisions that may need to may be made if you're again you know if you're a freelance scholar there's obviously information out there to get it helps you if you're a part of a team to actually discuss these things and test them 
don't think you're gonna have to you're gonna get it perfect straight away. I think you know, there is some mileage within the phrase, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. You know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't aim for perfection, but um, you know, but I think um if you're a perfectionist, it can be overwhelming in terms of, oh, well, I've got to get the right equipment. If I don't get the right equipment, it's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be a waste of money. That may happen, but things do change. Again, it's this change management, ensuring that um, we're on top of our game at a certain point. And understanding, you know, if we did make a mistake or an error, it's learning from that. So every it is always a, always a learning opportunity. So I think in terms of implementing um, the guidance, you know, once you've identified the key changes, the challenges integrate them into our existing workflows. So it's going out and trying it. So the new guidance came out in for the back survey guidance, for instance, came out late last year. This is going to be the first season we're going to implement it. Let's see how it goes. It's a test. So just treat it as an experiment. You know, we are scientists as ecologists. Let's use this as an experiment and, you know, get the most out of it. And and inf- it will inform the next round, you know, maybe by the end of May, beginning of June, we'd be able to understand, do you know what? Actually, we're going to have to start charging our clients more because we're doing X, Y, Z instead of what we did before. You know, there's an extra criteria. Or you may be even charging less because you can adapt new technologies into your survey methodology, for instance, you know, the use of drones, I'd say these night vision aids, if we can do other surveys themselves, you know, using, you know, we, I mean, just give a bit about AI, you know, we use Copilot within some of our reporting to help us understand and summarize part of our uh, reports. Doesn't write them for us. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're not at that stage when we, uh, they're writing our reports for us, but it does help us in terms of the quality assurance aspects and also summarization of different reports. So leaning into, leaning into that. So again, it might mean re- revisiting, you know, revising data collection methods, updating your report templates, or adept, as I said, adopting new software tools. You need to start by outlining the specific steps you need to comply with the new new guidelines. I would say compliance with a loose term there. Remember, they are guidance, you know, but you know, local authorities, local planning authorities, will be looking that you are going to implement these, and they'll be looking at justifications for you falling going outside of this guidance so look at the new guidance how are you going to comply with it how are you going to convey that to your reader or readers as we know to ensure that it it gets through your the planning and, and serve the purpose that it's intended to do for our clients you're going to create a timeline for incorporating these perhaps into into your practice so for instance we're going for at the moment changing our project management software or updating it really. So, you know, we use software called Workflow Max. There are many of us out there. Workflow Max and Workflow Max, you know, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, you see a lot of people, oh, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be sunset and you know, it's going to be retired in the end of June. And that's correct in terms of, you know, who it's being currently hosted with, with Zero Company, but it's been, it's going to be taken on by a different company. So we've got to look at, okay, do we want that new? product new software if not where else do we go for look where do we go to look to for our project management software but you know we've gone along the journey we've seen what's going to be happening in the new version we i think it's gonna be a greater project improvement but we need a timeline to set in terms of migration across to the new platform looking at the train understand in you know, the training in terms of maybe some key champions uh, of this new platform then it's the indication of the uh, the then the next method is then to train everyone else 
on that uh, platform itself and then go for the changes of the snagging you know i think there's gonna be a few different changes and again it, uh, to it and it may be some issues so it's understanding that it's not going to be perfect straight away as long as people re- you know understand that changes to anything we do any methodology is going to have a sort of um, a built-in learning experience feedback and in, in view is extremely important before we actually go too far down the road when actually it's going to take a lot more effort to you know restart something again so you know making sure we've got a right timeline we've got a plan for action implementation into into your practices and it can help to you know as i say, I say to pilot these changes on a smaller project before rona gets out to maybe to uh, to all your staff or or to all every single client of yours itself now we talk about clients advising our clients is another critical aspect of this Okay, with the new regulations and guidance in play, our clients rely on us for accurate and up-to-date advice. That's what we our role is as consultants. We advise. So when communicating changes, clarity is going to be key. So we need to be prepared to explain not only what the changes are, but also how they impact the client's project, both in terms of outcomes and timelines so you know is this going to delay the project is it going to bring the project forward uh, are there going to be you know additional requirements on them in terms of um, documentation and or additional services and that we're going to have to re- require to actually implement and it's communicating that effectively to them at the right time I and mean, again don't worry you know you know ideally you want to get it all right in the right order but sometimes you know we're still learning hopefully there's a little bit of expert you know there's a little bit of leniency uh, from your clients in such a period of you know immense change that you know just advising your clients look this is coming in being honest with them you know we know this much but their things may change as people go along you know the local planning authorities will certainly be you know it's going to be an enormous amount of change for them going through you know all these different guidance changes and and in england with with biodiversity net game for instance so they're gonna have to you know catch up as well and understand that you know what it actually means this policy changes legislation legislation changes it's all have an impact we will have to work alongside them to understand it so don't think you know that's what it means about managing our client expectations we're all in a learning journey here on a learning journey so emphasize the positive aspects of why things how it can how it should be improved the environmental impacts and compliance benefits and remember managing expectations is going to be crucial so we've got to be realistic about the challenges and the potential for delays and additional costs it's, it's about being honest to ourselves and to others it's not trying to mask i'm the expert in body net gain i'm the expert in these new guidance don't worry you know, what they're saying is wrong no, we we may get things wrong ourselves, and it's and it's understanding that, and it, and it's a, you know being you know being considerate, being you know having that you know honesty with ourselves that you know we will get some things wrong as we go along this journey. Okay, and I suppose finally, you know, we touched upon this. I suppose he's looking at well, okay what advice what support is there out for there for us and mentioned about you know the you know uh, you know podcast there's the, the guidance notes themselves the, the booklets there's the websites to go on the professional websites it's keeping up to date th- with that attending these courses q fields open to help stay informed about the changes and improve our skills so it's a lot to take in it can be quite overwhelming but hopefully that's helped in terms of about navigating 
change and adopting to these new ecological guidelines. I really do advocate, you know, seeking out support. Now, that may be support for your colleagues, maybe support through, you know, you, you know, social media, for instance. But I think we, as humans, you know, we really do crave that connection. And where where you get it is going to be, you know, is going to be is going to be crucial. So I really do advocate for, you know, a collaborative approach, getting advice, getting a buddy out there, mentoring, coaching services. I think it all really does help. And we all need support throughout our journey. You know, no one should be, you know, it should be feel that they need to be isolated from what we do and what we do as ecologists, because if we want to achieve our outcomes, you know, our own, you know, and live up to our own values, we need to address our own limiting beliefs, whatever they may be, recognize them, you know, some of them may not go away. Them or may always be there. But it's looking at that. How do we manage those those expectations? How do we manage our little inner critics and so forth, which do pop up from time to time? And having a coach really does help. That explores that, gives you techniques and tips on how to control, how to manage it. But the good thing about coaching is that mentoring, you know, you can, you know, if you want to learn a new skill, get up to speed and bring up your expertise. Mentoring is great and it serves a purpose. Coaching is sort of bringing it out in you. You probably have the answers already. But it's just exploring that and making sure that, you know, you, know, you can bring it out to your, yourself. And as I say, you know, you probably have the better solutions than maybe another person does. So a good coach will help you bring that out. So I'm going to stop waffling now. Hope that's been useful for this month about navigating change. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. In the next few months, we're going to be exploring Great Crested Newt licensing licensing they're going to be talking to different individuals about their licensing experiences what they do in terms of field work and also you know obtaining different licenses you know whether they be in england in wales i'm trying to get some for scotland but you know it's going to be a little bit challenging at the moment we're going to be looking at different licensing schemes the district licenses schemes such as through natural england through natural resources wales and also through uh, nature space so that's something to look forward to probably won't come until, until april but just to say that that's what i'm doing now being open and honest about what i'm actually looking at now if you want to get involved if you want to suggest a topic or a theme that we should be talking about on the ecology academy podcast please do get in touch contact me at hello at ecologyacademy.co.uk and leave a message there which we can pick up i will repeat to that we are we're looking for co-hosts you know if you can, i'm sure you can if you can do a better job than me and stop waffling on as i'm doing now and you know have some benefit you want to learn you know a new skill so i really and looking for some podcast hosts and co-hosts uh, to actually uh, take this podcast forward. If that's you, again, hello at ecologyacademy.co.uk and say the reasons why, what you can help with. Okay, well, that's all for now. But thank you again for listening to me, Richard Dodd, on the Ecology Academy podcast. If you enjoy our show and want to help, then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favourite podcast player as that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making, help retain great talent, and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter. Thank you. And remember, learning is a lifelong endeavour, so stay curious, be adventurous, and build bridges for others to cross.